you all know uh, the book, The Eagle Has Landed. Uh, 50 million copies have been sold and something that I didn't know uh, that Jack Higgins was actually Henry Patterson. Uh, and he um, spent his first few years in the Shankill Road. Um, and he, he was about three years old when he started reading. Um, and then later in his life, he wrote this book. They wanted to know from him, uh, let's call him Jack Higgins, what he would have wanted to know at the beginning of his life that he knows now. And maybe the young people should listen now. There's something you should know at the beginning of your life that should be helping you right through to the end of your life. And he answered the following, that when you get to the top, there is nothing there. That when you get to the top, there is nothing there. We know how ambition drives many people, many of us. We want to be important. We want to have status. We want a position in life. And many times we value other people also because of their status or position in society. We've seen over the last few weeks that Solomon could have asked for a long life, for time, for wealth, or for power, or for wisdom. Psalm 21, which I've shown you, showed you over the last few weeks, said, you came to greet the king with rich blessings and placed a crown of pure gold, wealth, on his head. He asked you for life, and you gave it to him. Length of days, that's more time, forever and ever. Through the victories, the power you gave, his glory is great. And we read in verse 11 onwards from the passage that we've read today, that since you have asked for wisdom and not for a long life, or for wealth, or for the death of your enemies, I will do what you have asked. A prayer for the death of our enemies might have been a very important prayer for the old kings of Israel, but it is at the same time an extremely dangerous prayer for all of us. You see, when people pray for the victory over the enemies, it is primarily asking for power. And this is typical human, to want to have power and position. Mark tells a story of, of Jesus in discussion with his disciples in Mark chapter 10. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for, for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? He asked and listened to them. They replied, let one of us sit at your right hand 
and the other at your left in your glory. So what did they ask for? Lord, give us power. Give us position. And when Jesus spoke to his disciples after his resurrection, we read it this morning, they wanted to know whether it's now the time when proper power will be given to Israel. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? I mean, if we ever wanted a good leader, one who raised from the dead, he could take us there. What did they ask for? Power. It is a modern prayer to ask for a better position. Even if it is at the expense of the people around you, your family, your health. It's a modern prayer. We would like to be winners, to be powerful. We would like to be followed rather than to follow. Henry Nouwen said that the three big temptations for Christians are to be impressive, to be popular, and to be powerful. That's the big temptations for Christians. So how should we respond then to this massive temptation of looking for better positions, to be powerful, just as in the prayer of Solomon, we should be asking, Lord, give us rather a hearing heart. That's what he asked. An obedient heart. We want to know God's will for our lives. We want to know what is in God's heart for us. And there's only one way that Christians can respond to this temptation. Jesus says that there's only one power that should control our lives. If we want to use the word power, this is the power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That's the only power we should have. The power of the Holy Spirit. It reminds us of the words in Zechariah chapter 4, where God said, This is the word of the Lord. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord God Almighty. So what happens when we live in the power of the Holy Spirit? When the Holy Spirit controls our lives? Two things. The first is, we are not volunteers in God's service, but called by God. 
we begin to understand something of that. When Solomon stood before God, there was one thing that he was absolutely certain about. And that is that God called him to this specific task. Lord, my God, he says, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. God stands behind the positions in which we find ourselves today, wherever we are. When Jesus says that we will receive the Spirit, he says that we will be called to a specific task, and that is to be his witnesses, wherever we are. Karl Barth, the Swiss theologian, said, the church is those called out by God. It is like a division in the army. We do not act voluntarily, but on the basis of an assignment. The crucial thing is not to forget that we are Christ's ambassadors. The church is people who are called not to listen to sermons and serve sacraments and to celebrate worship. We have an assignment. Go to the world. You see, before we can think or say anything about ourselves, where we are today in our lives, we should say, God has called us to be where we are. Without that, we live without purpose in life. And we do not always choose the places where we find ourselves. And sometimes it's very hard and uncomfortable places. But that's the place where God calls us to obey His will, to live in the power of His Holy Spirit. People who understand stand this, that God has called them, are not looking in the first place for better positions, for power, but for the power of God's Spirit to be faithful to our call where we are. None of us live without a mission in the world. We're part of God's task force in the world. Every person who has lived a meaningful life in the Bible, Abram, Paul, Jesus, had a mission, understood that God called them. The second thing is that we do God's work. Solomon confessed in his prayer that this kingdom is not his kingdom. It's all about God's kingdom, God's people, for who is able to govern this great people of yours. And listen to what Jesus is saying. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria 
to the ends of the earth. When the Holy Spirit fills us with His power, we reflect something of God where we are in our situation. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, And we all who with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So the Spirit of God works in us so that more of Jesus would be reflected in our lives wherever we are. There's a beautiful story about a monkey that heard that he was becoming a human being the next day. So he was wild with excitement about this. And then uh, along came the pig. And the pig said, why are you so excited? And he said, well, I'm going to become a human being tomorrow. And the pig said to him, look deep into my eyes. From tomorrow onwards, something of me will be left in you. You will become the biggest pig on earth. And he wasn't very excited about that. But then along came the fox and the snake and the jackal. And they did the same with him. And eventually he was very sad. And then God came along. And he asked the monkey why he looked so depressed. And the mon monkey told him everything that happened. And the Lord said to him, Look deep into my eyes, because from tomorrow, something of me will be left in you. Every person who has the Spirit of God in him or her reflects the image of God. Not our own image in this world. Daniel, I'm not talking about evolution here, okay? <laughs> this is just a story to say that God, by His Spirit, lives in us and His glory should be reflected. It is not about us. It's God's work in the world. So, what happens when the power of God's Spirit is at work in us. I want to mention the following two things. The first is that the Spirit fills or empowers us to serve with the gifts that God gave us. When we read through the New Testament, it becomes very clear that each one of us here as a task, a calling to serve in the power of God's Spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul speaks about this amazing thing that happens in our lives. He says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord, referring to Jesus. 
There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. God the Father, Jesus the Lord, and the Spirit. And then he says the following. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. There are many gifted people around in life with lots of talents. But the gifts of the Spirit is different, you see. The gifts of the Spirit is given to us to serve the body of Jesus Christ. One of the questions that we have to ask ourselves today is if we have discovered in our own lives the Spirit's gift that was given to us. Have you allowed the Spirit of God to show you this gift and to use this in his service? When Paul speaks about this fabulous work of God's Spirit in the lives of the Christians in, in Corinthians, he addresses, amongst others, one specific big issue amongst Christians. And this is what they said. Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. Paul addresses the whole thing about an inferiority complex that many Christians have. You know, because I'm not like that person, I cannot serve. Because I don't have those gifts, I cannot serve. There's always some reason why we disqualify ourselves to be in God's service in his congregation. Who am I? We declare ourselves incompetent. There's always someone better that can do the job. And therefore, sometimes many churches suffer from this disease that 20% of the congregation does the work of the whole congregation. And 80% do almost nothing. Why? Because we always think that someone else can do it. There's always an excuse why we cannot. And that's throughout the Bible. That people called by God said, whoa, wait a little bit, Lord. We, we, we're, not, we're not there yet, please. For instance, Moses. Uh, Lord, who am I that I can go to the Pharaoh, he says. And then he says, if I go, who can I send? Uh, say, say, send me. Uh, and then he says, well, suppose I go now in your name. And they say, well, it wasn't the Lord that sent you. Or, or then, uh, then he says, I've never been a good speaker. 
And then eventually he just gave up. He said, Lord, send someone else. Gideon, he had another, uh, another issue. He, he said, Lord, you should remember where I come from. My background is not good. I come from a very small family. Insignificant people. My background and my status is just not what you want in your service. And Jeremiah said, I'm too young. I just cannot do this. I don't have the experience to do this. No. The Spirit fills and empowers us to serve with the gifts that He gave us. And even if we have every gift of the Spirit, if it's not used for the sake of the body of Christ, it means nothing. Once Helmut Tillicke said to a student, you are a very gifted young man, and, and the boy really blushed. And uh, Helmut Tillicke said to him, why do you blush? I didn't tell you that you're a very impressive and cute man. I said, you are a gifted person. Gifted by God. God blessed you. Don't blush. Use it. Because God gave it to you. If we're not actively involved in being a witness here in the congregation and elsewhere, whose fault is it? The minister or the session? No. It is because we do not live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Solomon asked for obedience to do God's will, to perform his task in such a way that it would give expression to the fact that he knows what God wants for his life. That's why an obedient person constantly asks, what can I do to serve the body of Christ with my gifts. What can contribution, however small it, it, it may be, can I make to make the world a better place? Second thing, the Spirit fills and empowers us to love instead of seeking control. When Paul speaks about the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12 to 14, he said that all our gifts have not a single meaning if it's not filled with love. And therefore, in the, in the heart of 1 Corinthians 12 to 14, he writes that beautiful chapter about the love that we sometimes use at weddings. But it is all about the gift of the Holy Spirit. When we love, we bring order instead of chaos. And this is why the fruit of the Holy Spirit is also showing that the power of the Spirit is in our lives. Galatians 5 says, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, 
self-control. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Jesus says that, that his followers should never seek power, but always seek to serve with love. When the disciples wanted to have power, Jesus answered and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Molokai. It tells the story of Father Damien. In him we meet a priest who goes to Molokai in 1872 against all advice. It's a small island of the coast of Hawaii. It's full of dying people of leprosy. There's massive, massive shortage of food. And when the last bishop left the island, he shouted the last time from the ship to this Father Damien, Remember, don't touch anybody. The first thing Father David, Damien did when he mixed with the people was to hold them and love them and embrace them. And after years, he died of leprosy. But he shamed his cynical church leaders and showed genuine compassion and respect for the dignity of those people. He couldn't serve from on high. He became one of them, though it consumed him. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Solomon asked for obedience to do God's will to perform his task in such a way that he gave expression to the fact that he knows God's will. When our ears are opened again, when we have a hearing heart, we put our own ambitions and dreams and own agendas aside and we serve his kingdom I want to close when the German troops were part while the German troops were partying, the Dutch minister Jak Uferdein preached in the detention camp of Amersfoort. He recalled that in the audience where he was preaching were professors, businessmen, laborers and ministers, all prisoners of war. 
He, he talked about this specific question. What gives meaning to your life? Overdain said that the laborer could answer, when I come back from work, kick off my shoes, do my gardening, and sit with my wife and a newspaper and a cigar. This man, businessman might, might say, well, when I do a good business deal and make a lot of money, and the professor could say, when my academic publication has been received well, or the minister, when I preached on a Sunday and people responded to that. But what did they have left? Nothing. They were just prisoners. They thought that the ultimate goal of their lives would be these positions that they have. But now they had nothing. What would you choose when God says, ask for whatever you want me to give you? Solomon says, there's only one thing we can ask. Lord, give me a hearing heart, an obedient heart, a heart that listens to you. We do not ask for more time, for a longer life, but for the wisdom to use the time that God has given us to serve his kingdom in the power of his Holy Spirit. We do not ask for more possessions and wealth, but for the wisdom to use the possessions we have to serve the kingdom of God in the power of his Spirit. We do not ask for better positions or power, but for the wisdom to be Christians where God has planted us to serve his kingdom in the power of his spirit. Solomon didn't have the luxury of knowing about Pentecost. We may rejoice today in the power of God's spirit in our lives that enables us to use our time, our money, our possessions, and our positions to serve the kingdom of God. Because it's not by might or by power, but by His Spirit that things will change in this world. If you had nothing left, when you are at death's door, what gives meaning to your life? You shall receive the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus said. That will give meaning to your whole existence because you will understand that you have been called by God to serve him. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you have given us your spirit 
the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of discernment, the spirit that enables us to be witnesses in your world. And we pray now that you would come and fill us anew by your Holy Spirit, that you would breathe in us the life of your Spirit, and that we will stand up today as a mighty army with an assignment to go into this world and to live for your kingdom in the power of your Holy Spirit. For we ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.